Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. But that's what Saul's doing. He's sugarcoating sin. If Samuel had been a pushover, he would have said, oh, it's for sacrifices. Oh, well, good job, Saul. 1 Samuel 15, 16, then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. You could modernize it and say, shut up. (laughs) Then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on. Verse 17, so Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? What is Samuel talking about here? He's referring back to when Saul had humility, when Saul was little. Guys, you ever feel like you're this big and you hate it? Hold on a second. That's where God does his best work with you, is when you feel little when you feel weak, when you feel incapable. Don't let that feeling mess you up and think you should be better than that. God loves it when we're small. Samuel was reminding Saul of when he was small, of how he was when he first found out that he was going to become king. Saul had this humble reaction in chapter 9 when, remember when he says, Saul, you're going to be the king. He said in chapter 9, he said, am I not a Benjamite? of the smallest of the tribes of Israel. And my family is the least of all the tribes of of Benjamin. So why are you speaking to me about being king? I'm too little. Basically, he said, I'm too small to be king. But now Saul has monuments to himself. Somebody puffed up pretty big pretty quick, didn't they? Like a balloon. He's huge now. He's not small anymore. Saul had forgotten the Lord. Guys, self-glorification, seeking to better yourself for you so I can look good, is when you lose your smallness, is when you lose your humility, when you stop being humble. That's when you start straying from the Lord. Saul had forgotten the Lord. He forgot about the one who established him as king in the first place. Samuel's trying to remind him, hey, you didn't make yourself king. God put you there. Strong words. 1 Samuel 15 and 18. Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. And I brought back Agag, king of Amalek, I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, here goes the blame game again, but the people took of the plunder, 
Sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, and sacrificed to the Lord your God in Gilgal. Have you ever known people that for some reason or another, they just don't get it? That's Saul. Saul is still trying to make excuses for himself by blaming the people. It's all their fault. It's not mine. They did this, not me. Okay, let's counter that. I want you to look back at verse 9. Let's see who did wrong here. 1 Samuel 15 and 9. It says, Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good. Guys, Saul did this too, not just the people. You can't hide from God. You can't do a sin and then make excuses for it. God saw it. And I still don't see how Saul believes that he wiped out all the Amalekites when he has Agag with him. It's like, dude, there's an Amalekite right there that you didn't kill. (laughs) And you think you finished the mission. Saul has repeatedly demonstrated over all the course of his kingship that he's just never going to stop doing things his own way. And the reason that the people took the livestock is because they saw Saul take the livestock. That right there is the big thing about leadership. Whatever you do, others will do. Whatever you do, other people will do. That's leadership. If you do it, they're going to do it. Saul cannot pass the blame on the people because they only did what he did first. Now, I want us to be reminded of the terms that God set in place back in chapter 12. 1 Samuel 12 and 14. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. There's your terms. Saul and the people already knew these terms, and now that they had broken them, Samuel had come to finalize the terms. And Samuel is not tolerating any excuses that the animals were spared for sacrifices. 1 Samuel 15 and 22. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. In other words, you didn't listen, you didn't obey, it's over. Notice how he said, and stubbornness is as iniquity. What is iniquity? Iniquity is, I'm doing things my way. But the key phrase in this story is this, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. Now, we need to understand first, what is sacrifice for? Sacrifice is to cover, to atone for sin. But let me ask you a question. If you are obeying, that means you're not sinning. If you're obeying, you're not sinning. Therefore, there's no need for a sacrifice. Saul tried to pump up the hype that the animals were for sacrifices. But Samuel said, if you had been obedient, you don't need sacrifices. The sacrifices are for when you mess up. 
Now, with all these animals, Saul must be intending to do a lot of sinning. For all the sin we're going to do, got plenty of animals to cover that. Guys, this is what is known as a sin license. No matter how much I sin, I've always got sacrifice animals can cover that up. But Samuel said, no, he countered the sin license. Do you see that? Obedience is better than sacrifice. If Saul had not been thinking about himself, he would have followed God's orders to the letter, wouldn't he? He would have led the people to destroy all the Amalekites, including King Agag. But now, based on Saul's continual track record of disobedience, judgment has come. To the people hearing me, continual disobedience. Well, I'm not really disobeying. I'm just doing things my way. That's disobedience. Judgment is coming. He told him, because you rejected the Lord, the Lord has also rejected you from being king. Guys, if you reject the Lord, he will reject you eventually. 1 Samuel 15, 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Okay, as far as Samuel's concerned, Saul's not king anymore. He's done. So he's not going to spend any more time around with him anymore. Even though Saul had just confessed, you heard him say that, I sinned, I transgressed. I don't think Samuel is accepting Saul's confession because I think he believes it's another smokescreen. Saul's saying, I'm going to say what Samuel wants to hear. I have transgressed, I have transgressed. But did you hear him say, come back with me? Come on, let's, let's keep this ball rolling. He said, you're not king. No, 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 come back with me. I sinned, okay, yeah, I sinned, but come back with me. Uh, guys, I wouldn't buy it either. Doesn't sound authentic to me. First Samuel fifteen twenty seven. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent, for he is not a man that he should relent. Guys, did you see what he just said? He's not a man that he would lie or relent, that he's not going to change, that he's not going to turn around. We just went through that whole argument. Did God regret because he changed? And Samuel gets it. He says he's not a man that he should change like that. Samuel understands why the Lord says, I regret that I set up Saul as king. Because he is sorrowful about the scenario, but God is affirmed in the action that he's taking. He knows it's the right thing to do. And so Samuel is now telling him, he's not a man that he should change his mind. In other words, he's saying, putting David in place of you is not God changing his mind. He's saying, putting David, the better man than you, in your king spot is God continuing to do what he already intended to do. He's not changing. Samuel gets it. He sees it. He had a bad night. He grieved all night, but he come out the next day understanding what's going on here. I love it. God always had in mind for David to be king, but he's having to prepare Israel to accept David as king by running them through the Saul ringer first. Right now, Israel won't accept a David for king. After going through Saul, they will. 
That's why God is sorrowful that it had to go this way, but he knows it was necessary to get them there. But I want you to highlight something or underline it if you can. There where it says the strength of Israel. Y'all see that? You notice that strength is capitalized. When you see it capitalized in the text, that means deity. That means that is God. So when it says strength of Israel, that means that is one of the names of the Lord. That's one of his names, the strength of Israel. And you can learn a lot about a person by knowing what they are called by. 1 Samuel 15 and 30. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now. You see how he just doesn't give up. He just wants that honor. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel. He's still looking for that public acknowledgement. He's, his, I sinned, but still glorify me up. Let's keep this king thing rolling. He doesn't want to let go. Let me, oh, got to read that again. 1 Samuel 15, 30. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me, that I may worship the Lord your God. Really, is that why you want me to come back? Because you want to worship. That I may worship the Lord your God. Verse 31. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Now, why did he go back with him? At first he said he wasn't going to go with him, and now he did. What's going on here? Watch. Here's why. Verse 32, then Samuel said, bring Agag, king of the Amalekites, here to me. So Agag came to him cautiously. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Samuel, a priest, did that. You got to think, priests knew how to butcher animals for sacrifice. This man's got some skill with a knife, and he hacked him up. He knows how to do it. Verse 34, then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house at Gibeah of Saul, and Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Sad story, guys. But the question arises, like I had said, why did Samuel go back with Saul after he initially refused to go with him? I think that the reason Samuel went back with Saul was so that he could kill Agag and finish the job himself which would do it publicly. Remember, he said, come back with me in front of all the elders. Okay, so who's all watching? Think Samuel said, you know what? This is a good time to finish the job. If we're going to be in front of everybody, this set Saul up for yet another public rebuke. Saul is full of public rebuke. He just keeps setting himself up for it. And that's what Samuel did with the opportunity. And verse 35 says it's the last time he ever went to see Saul. He'd had enough. Now, when you consider that Saul should have killed all the Amalekites, you've got to consider this man named Haman from the book of Esther. He's that guy that tried to draft up legislation to have all the Jews in the Persian Empire annihilated. Esther 3 says that Haman was an Agagite. That means he was a descendant of King Agag. Haman, the wicked man that wanted to kill every Jew, he was an Amalekite. But because Saul did not destroy all the Amalekites, look at all the trouble 
that it now caused the rest of the Israelites later in history. They almost got annihilated across the entire empire. So for anyone that still thinks that God's judgment to wipe out the Amalekites was too harsh, realize that these people were wicked to the core. They were never going to stop killing other people that they didn't like. You know, guys, it's always best to just do what God says and do it all the way and don't do a partial job of it. But often people are so blinded by self-glorification that it causes them to turn away from the Lord, even those that think they're doing God's will. If you're looking to boost yourself, boost your image, and pump yourself up, you're not hearing from the Lord very clearly. Saul walked in sin, but he felt it was okay for having plenty of sacrifice animals on hand to be atoned for. As long as I sin, I've got lots of animals to keep doing sacrifice work. So he was going to keep up this pattern of sin, 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 sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. God's okay with that, right? No, he's not. Guys, just because you have plenty of sacrifice in Jesus Christ, and because he offers you eternal security that when he says, once you're saved, you will be saved, that gives you no right to go out and treat Jesus like a sin license and send your tail off thinking, well, no matter what I do, I'm going to heaven because I got plenty of sacrifice. No, obedience is better than sacrifice. Do not play the sin license card. It is wicked, evil, and it demonstrates people who probably never really accepted Jesus in the first place. Demonstrate what you say you believe. What's really in the well will come up with the bucket. If you say you're saved and you act like the devil, I don't buy it. Samuel didn't buy it. We've always got Jesus' sacrifice available to keep our sins atoned for, but do not take it as a way to sin all you want. Hebrews 10.26 says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. This means that if you take Jesus' sacrifice as an excuse to sin all you want to, then Jesus' sacrifice will not cover you. Oh no, I accepted Jesus. Did you? Did you? How come you didn't change? God has the power to change you. If you did not change, I don't think you really were authentic. You may have said words. You may have prayed, oh, I accept you. But if you're still acting like the heathen dog you've always been, I just don't buy it. All you can expect, if you sin willfully, it says. A big difference. Well, Ray, we're all going to sin at times, yes. But the passage says, if you sin willfully. That means I'm going to sin, I want it, I enjoy it, I'm going to do it. I don't care what God's Word says. I don't care what God's people are warning me about it. I'm going to do it because I want it. I'm going to sin my life my way. If you sin willfully after you heard the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. You're in trouble. Obedience is better. You know, guys, the Lord has to execute judgment upon the wicked. But the good news is that God sent someone in to offer us an escape. Just like 
Saul had somebody sent in to tell the Kenites because they blessed Israel, hey, get out of here because we're coming in and we're going to attack. And if you're still here, you're going to be taken out with them. Get out now. Take the escape while you got it. And the Kenites went out. Hebrews 10.5 says, therefore of Jesus, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Guys, Jesus took care of it. He took care of it. Obey and obey under the sacrifice that Jesus did for you. Now, here's one last little nugget because it's just cool. (laughs) You saw the two different people groups. The Amalekites and the Kenites were all living in the same area. You got two different people. And the Lord returned back onto them according to how they treated the Israelites. The Kenites, he gave them a way out. He blessed them. But the Amalekites, he came in to judge them. Genesis 12.3 says of Israel, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. That's why we keep Israel in the forefront. That's why I blow the shofar every Sunday, because we're trying to keep Israel in front of you so that you can know that you need to bless them. Don't get on that big bandwagon that's going around the globe saying, oh, the Jews are a big problem. We need to get the, we need to come against the Jews. Or the, I've had people tell me they're Christians. They hate Jews. How can you do that? Jesus is a Jew. The Lord will bless you if you bless them. He will curse you if you curse them. Friends, we need to know how to bless Israel so that we can receive the blessings of God. Obedience is better than sacrifice. A judgment is coming. We are like Kenites living among Amalekites. How is God going to execute judgment across all of us without hurting the ones he wants to bless? He's going to call us out of here. Christ is coming back. He's going to call us out of here. You got to get right with the Lord because you don't know when that's going to happen. You have your opportunity now. The Lord has sent me to you through the internet, through the video, through the radio, through the podcast, however you're hearing me. If you are working to build your self-image up, self-glorification, it is sin against the Lord. You need to turn back to the Lord and follow him. Stop thinking, well, I got plenty of sacrifice in Jesus to take care of all that. No, obedience is better than sacrifice. It's better that you obey the Lord Jesus. Yes, he had to die for you. Yes, his sacrifice saved you. Now obey him. If you say you belong to him, then show you belong to him. If my wife never came home at night and always spent her time somewhere else with other people, but said, Ray, I love you and I'm married to you. I'm sorry, I don't buy it. She has to come home to me. She's mine. She belongs to me. Friend, if you say you've given yourself to Jesus, then you need to be with him and stop spending it with everybody else. You need to walk with the Lord because if you don't, I don't believe you when you say you're saved and neither does anybody else. God doesn't buy it either. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Father, thank you for this message. Lord God, thank you for your word in 1 Samuel 15. Lord, we know that you have even at one time regretted making us. You had sorrow for the sin we brought, but you went on through with it, Lord, because you looked ahead to the day when we would be with you in eternity. Thank you. Why would you do that for me? Because you love me.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.